This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Amazon has announced, hey, the only thing I love more about delivery men is actually if they came into my home or delivery people. How would you feel about that? You're not home. Don't want to leave it with a neighbor. Don't want to drive back to the wherever and pick it up. Don't want it stolen from your front porch. No problem. Ding dong. Click. We're in. And Amazon just drops the package right there at your front door, locks your door for you, and leaves. Sets your alarm, I presume, as well. I'm sure it all can be done. The only difference is the package is on the inside of your door instead of the outside of your door. How do you feel about that? Freaky or beauty? I'm in. Let's bring in Derek Sardo, president of Rolling Thunder, thunder thunder.ca, to find out more about them. Derek, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. I'm wonderful. Yourself? I'm doing very good. How do you feel about this? Do you want Amazon going in your house and dropping something at your door? Sure. I not? knew you'd say that. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. I'm in. And while yeah, they're and, well, and while well, they're and know, while they're in and while they're in, have them turn on the coffee pot as well. Sure. Feed the dog <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, perfect. I think it's a great idea. No, uh, it's a huge problem with uh, home delivery. Uh, theft. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's just a massive problem because a lot of these companies are just putting boxes on on the doorstep, and people walk by, they see these boxes, and they say, "Hey, that's free stuff." So it's a it's a problem we need to solve. So, but isn't there another alternative? I guess is it just too inconvenient to like you do at the post office, just come back and pick it up there, or pick it up at a central place? I mean, that's just not that's not home well, delivery. We live in a new world of yeah. just-in-time delivery and and, uh, and and these niceties. So, I mean, what's the big deal if they open the door, uh, a crack, they put the box there, and they close the door? I don't what if my problem. damn dog runs out? Then what, Derek? <laughs> well, I was thinking of that, too, because I thought, <laughs> all right, well, people with dogs, what are they going to do? They, they can't subscribe to this service. So, and, think about how many Amazon, and think about how many Amazon delivery people are going to be eaten. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's really it's really quite funny when you think about it. If your dog runs out and then Amazon gets hit with all these lawsuits where, where their their pets have uh, escaped while the delivery's been there. Uh, so, regardless, though, um, the idea is great. We talked about uh, this last year. We talked about drone delivery. Oh yeah, um, and, and that was a big thing. But how is drone delivery going to work now with this? I, I don't know. Is the drone going to be able to open the door and then fly into your house? Um, I mean, the possibilities are endless there. But so you're uh, lying on your bed, you're watching TV, you say, "Hey, let's order a pizza." The thing comes right into your bedroom, drops it right in your lap, and leaves. How cool would that be? You know, we're not we're not that far off from that. That's where that's where it's funny. Uh, Amazon is is. A, in in these major centers in the states is an amazing company. I don't know if you've ever had the uh, the uh, lived or know somebody that has um, uh, Amazon Prime in one of these cities. You can literally order things and have it you know two hours later. It's unbelievable. And uh, so Canada, of course, we don't have this yet. Uh, we don't have a lot of things yet. We don't have their uh, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> we don't got uh, nothing, man. All we yeah. got is high data rates. That's all we got. That's it. It's getting better, by the way. It's still, it's still pretty high. So, is this about uh, security or convenience? Uh, so, so I, I, I guess it. Um, let's go back to this. Amazon and and its home um, Alexa product. You, you know about this product? No. So, Alexa is the thing you talk to in your house. 
and I've had and I've had it for a while uh, up in Canada, even though it's only available in the states. Um, I, I use it all the time. Um, there's these things called the dots or the spots or the show or the echo. There's a whole bunch of the products, but they sit in your house. And uh, when you have connected pieces like door locks or or lighting or thermostats, you, you can just ask for things to be done. Now I I am guilty of this. I don't turn on the lights with my finger anymore. I say turn on the living room lights. Turn off the living room. <laughs> you know room you become a freak, Derek. You know that I know, you're just a technology freak now. If you Scott, you come through my door. And in two seconds, I'll say some things and I'll blow your mind. Think, <laughs> oh my God, I gotta have that. That is that is that cool. It's not even that cool. It's just it's just nice. Yeah. You know, when I'm in the kitchen and uh, I, I want the lights to be brighter, I can just say, "Make the lights bright," and they're go go bright. I can be cooking. I can be changing the channel on the on the on the Sonos. I love Sonos. It's another great product that. Uh, that I love, and then Sonos is is speakers, and so I can listen to anything. I can say to Alexa, "Listen to uh, 900 CHML," and boom, it uh, it's there. If I want to listen to it through the whole house, I say the whole house. If I want to listen to it in just one room, I I just say in kitchen, and I'll listen to it there. So uh, the products are, are are unbelievable. So uh, getting back to the to the delivery thing, uh, is there another alternative here? Like, are they, or I guess they're looking at these solutions from the back end saying, we got, we want the package in their house. How do we get it there? Well, it's more than just packages. Okay. So right now it'll be just packages, but what it'll eventually be is for the service industry. So guys that are, uh, let's say cleaners, for instance, um, if you have a maid come in or, or something like that, you won't have to ever give them keys. You can designate times mm-hmm. when they show up at your door. The uh, app knows that they're there. You swipe to let them in. Uh, you you swipe to let them out. Uh, think about a dog walking service or, uh, you know, it can be umpteen different things. It's not just package delivery. Um, but, yes, I believe it, the, the ultimate goal here is to get, those packages securely delivered to the house. Uh, so is this, will convenience trump security here, do you think? I believe it will, and it usually does. Well, it, we see uh, that with passwords, don't we? We, we see that with, with pass, passwords. Now, passwords are getting better, too, right? Um, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people get hacked. The, 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 the hacking world is, is giant. And so we have to be one step ahead of the hackers. In, in our business at Rolling Thunder, uh, all of our clients um, have better than passwords. So we, we do use something called two-step authentication, where it's not just a password. Because a password can be, can be um, decrypted, it can be found out, it can be uh, uh, used in other ways. Uh, and generally, when a password is found, other people, or you, you use your password for multiple things, Right. I'm sure you do. I'm, I'm sure the whole world does. So uh, you have you have your password for Amazon. You have your password for email. And some of those have overlap. And when they have overlap, a hacker that takes one of those accounts can easily take a control of all of those accounts. So we always suggest that you use different passwords. But it's a pain, isn't it? Yeah. 
So uh, where is this going? How do they resolve this issue? And are there is this a, a great idea or do you think this is something they will just figure out, they will just work out and this will be, uh, just be another sidearm to their business? Like, obviously, if you have dogs, you're not doing this. You know, I mean, there's common sense yeah, things here. there's some things that you're not going to do. Uh, you know, this this isn't new technology. This is technology that's been out for a long time. You know, our, our, my front door has been able to do that for a long time. Now, what Amazon's just done is keyed into it, saying, well, these, these products exist and most locks. I mean, the, the idea of a key, to me, um, is going away very quickly. You see it in cars. Yeah. There's no key. You just have the fob near you, and you yeah. start your car. Um, uh, the home doors are like that. Uh, the, the idea of, that's one thing that's going to go away. The dodo bird. The key is going to be gone. I'll, I'll, I'll state that. Won't, right it, won't it always be somehow there as a backup? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Because there'll be other backups. We can use technology to do, do right. backups. Um, but uh, a lot of these things are using. Not uh, not just passwords, but biometrics. They're using your yeah. your uh, face, your eye, your your fingerprint, uh, and that's how we we secure things down. So, um, you know, I never, you know, that long password you always type to get into your laptop. Mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore. I just look at the damn thing, and it it, <laughs> it, it lets me in. It just knows my my uh, pupils and knows my face, and it just lets me in. Now, uh, I've tried that with. Hundreds of people saying, try to log in. No one's ever been able to log in. Uh, they even did a test with uh, with identical twins. Mm-hmm. And it's so good that the identical twin can't even uh, open it up. Talk about some of these uh, home systems, because this basically comes down to the same sort of security system that you would have in your home that um, uh, you, know, you see advertised, whether it's Nest or Ring. Um, it, it's the same sort of system, except it's just an Amazon system, correct? That which they That's would have exactly access. Right. Which they so, would have so access let, to. Let me explain this, the what it is. Basically, you, you go with one of these locks from QuickSet or or whatever the. So it, it's a lock on your door. P- um, pair that with the camera that looks inside. So it looks uh, from the inside at your front door. So every time that door is opened. The uh, the recording is happening, so you see exactly what's happening at your front door. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what you're really going to see is the door open a little bit, the package be dropped, and the door shut, and then you're going to get the message that that door has been locked again. Uh, obviously, for this, you need an Internet connection. What about rurally? Would this work? It will. I mean, it doesn't take much. It's not like it's a high-bandwidth product. Uh, now, video is a high-bandwidth product, so it's a good question. But... Even rurally now, um, the bandwidth is pretty good, especially a- anywhere in, in Ontario. We, we, we don't have those issues that we used to have. So, like, if you were doing it at a cottage or someplace like that, you wouldn't necessarily need an Internet connection? You'll always need an Internet connection to these things. Right. Because um, they won't work otherwise. But um, and if you don't yeah, have access- the advent of cellular connectivity right. is anywhere. So. Uh, a lot of the uh, routers um, that people have in their houses have the ability to put a SD card in them, uh, sorry, not an SD card, a SIM card in them, and uh, and provide wireless that way. Right, right. So, uh, again, just uh, getting one of these router-type things in a rural setting like that or, or out of where there is no coverage, that you should be able to do it that way. 
No problem. Yeah, it's really quite easy. So uh, talk about a couple of these home systems. Uh, are, are there ones, you know, because we see the one, I see the one advertising Ring. Uh, I've heard of the Nest system. Uh, can, do you know anything about these systems? I know all about them, yeah. Um, uh, again, if, if I was a, 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 a an Amazon client, I would like the fact that this can do more than um, a, something like Ring because it's integrated into my shipping. Right. And and I don't know, do you use Amazon yourself? No. So, I don't buy that much stuff. So I don't either. And, and I, I'm not and, a shopper. <laughs> and somebody asked me the other day, you know, how, how does Amazon... Uh, how does Amazon compare in terms of pricing? And I and I said, you know, I, I shop on Amazon a lot. The problem is the Canadian Amazon isn't as good as the U.S. Yeah. Amazon. Uh, but however, so what I did was I took the time to think, to think if I was going to go to the supermarket, I'm going to go to Fortino's or I'm going to go to Sobeys or I'm going to go to Food Basics, wh- whatever, I wanted to see how Amazon competed in those certain products. So I looked at some of the products that, that, that I could get delivered to my door, and I was absolutely floored hmm. by the prices were uh, cheaper, uh, at least the same or cheaper, and I had free delivery. Yeah, so, and, the, and the convenience, that's the big thing. And the convenience of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't get, uh, you know, I'm not going to be buying uh, frozen foods from, no. from Amazon, but, but uh, you know, all my consumables, my ketchups and my yep. whatever my drinks and and things i could i could try that and i am going to try that to see what experience i have with it i know in in the states it's been a great experience but in the canada i'm not so sure so i'll i'll take a look at that but if that's the case and i am going to be buying a home system that says well you know uh, this camera can unlock my door and put my package inside the house I'm going to be more apt to buy that one. So, in other words, you're saying if you're a frequent Amazon user, you might as well be let that be your monitoring system. Absolutely. Let me ask you another... It's going to do two things at the same time, right? Let me ask you another question. If you've got a system like we were just talking about, Nest, Ring, whatever they're called... um, do you wouldn't that put the alarm system people out of business in the sense that you're basically monitoring your own house and if you see something wrong you'll call the cops? I mean, what's well, a, what's the uh, sense of having a nest? Than that. What, what's have, the sense of having a nest system and then having a security system? Would that make sense? Well, go, let's go further than that. So we can have a nest system or a ring system or an Amazon system, and we can tie third party monitoring into it. So that we have right. newer, better technology in our in our security system, uh, but it's still the back back ended by uh, these these companies that monitor and and call the fire, call the police. So you just link them all together. Yeah, you, know, you just link them all together, and that's really what's really nice about the the Alex the Amazon Alexa a series is that it it works with so many third parties. You know, I, I catch myself uh, coming home and, and talking to her, and it's strange. You know, I'll be in the house alone, and I'll and I'll ask her to play a play Je- Jeopardy. I can say, you know, play Jeopardy, and she'll spout out some questions for me. And, and or it's actually Alex Trebek. He spouts out the questions, and I seem to answer them. And then I figure out, really, I'm not that smart. But sometimes, like there's a music quiz. I say, Alexa, give me a music quiz. And she'll say, you know, when you want the 70s or the 80s, and I'll say, let's do classic rock. And, 
and I'll see how well I do. Do you find so, yourself on a Friday night, you go in and you say, get me a glass of wine, play me something nice, and the next thing you know, it's taken somewhere where you don't want to go there. Or maybe you do, Derek, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I have it set up like that now. I have these mood lights, so when I say put the mood lights on, they go to a sort of a green um, Wow, look. this is almost and like Austin Powers. <laughs> it is, but, but also the music starts. So I, I get my sort of uh, my, my soul uh, groove on because yeah. that starts to play in the background too. So, uh, and I can even change the – I can put all those things together and group them all so – you know, the, the fireplace is on. <laughs> yeah, Austin Powers. There well, you go. Hey, I wish I was single all over again. Oh, yeah, me si- too. Single and rich. That's it. Uh, <laughs> here's, a, here's an odd question. If you don't mind, please ask how someone can be assured if not receiving an explosive device dropped right off inside their own residence. What about, what about scanning these products? What so, about security? So that's, that's where that Amazon Prime comes in. Um, uh, they're not looking to blow up anything. But, however, that does. It brings up that whole implication of security, hacking. Okay, so what, what, if, uh, what if these uh, things are, start to get hacked and, uh, and they do put a bomb in? You, you, you know, that's, uh, that's a – how did you come up with that? Uh, someone just sent me the note. That's a fantastic. Uh, yeah, I never. What if they send you something like a prank call? You know, it, it, what would the modern version of be, of you know delivering Chinese food to your friend's house who really doesn't want it? I mean, you know, same <laughs> sort of thing, right? <laughs> the problem is you'd be tracked on on your account. And oh you'd yeah. Know how to, yeah. So it's a little bit different than that. But yeah, no. Look at that. I never thought about that. It could be used for a package that's undesirable. Yeah. It, it gives the whole. Uh, flaming bag a whole new uh, look <laughs> oh man i think we've created more questions than we've answered here but that's the discussion yeah, really. all right derek thanks very much as always you're listening to the scott thompson show weekdays from noon to three on am 900 chml talking about uh, all things political south of the border michael uh thank you for taking the time to join us is that better Yes, it is. Don't you think so? Uh, yes. I, I, you know what? To be honest, I couldn't tell the first time, but oh. that doesn't mean anything. It, it, it very much sounds different at your end. Uh, let's move on. Your thoughts on the whole significance of the, the release of these JFK documents. How big a deal is this? Well, first of all, the documents were scheduled to be released unless the president said they couldn't be. And so what Donald Trump has said is that he's not going to hold up the release. Um, I I think that we know pretty much uh, all of the details about the Kennedy assassination and what happened in Dallas. The papers uh, or materials that haven't been released probably relate to what various government agencies knew and what kind of sources they had to provide that information uh, leading up to the date on which the assassination took place. So the the most important thing about the release uh, or the information in the documents to be released um, will be about who knew what and when and what was the basis for that. And in particular, there's a trip that Oswald took to Mexico City uh, where he apparently was under very heavy surveillance. and And it is the field notes, I guess you could call them, uh, about the surveillance in Mexico City, who he saw 
uh, what he did that will be of most interest to both historians and also conspiracy theorists. Uh, yeah, whether these are released or not, and whatever is released, I'm sure they'll be the conspiracy theorists uh, taking whatever they can and running with it. That being said, we hear that the CIA wants uh, certain things held back. Would that be because they fear being incriminated, or is that a security issue? Why would that be? Well, it could be. Uh, it could be any uh, any one of those reasons, or a couple more. Um, you know, there could have been a field agent at the time. Uh, in Mexico or in Texas, uh, who um, grew up to have a distinguished career in government service. Uh, and so there could be some information about the, the, the early part of somebody uh, visible now, the early part of their career. Um, there could be something in the uh, materials about uh, sources or contacts or interactions with uh, different organizations um, that also would be informative about the network that the CIA and or the FBI used to gather information during this period. So it, it's an, I think it's probably, probably a concern about uh, sources and methods that, that uh, is what hmm. has raised these issues for so, so uh, it, it, this is more about the process than it is about the outcome. The outcome wouldn't change much. I don't think that the outcome would change much, uh, although I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, I think we know that Lee Harvey Oswald uh, was a lone gunman who killed uh, Jack Kennedy. Um, I mean, this last... Uh, swatch of materials could change my view on that, but I think that that's pretty well determined. And what has been held back uh, uh, by prior administrations has been this uh, background uh, and, and, and detailed field work uh, that preceded the day of the assassination. So even conspiracy theorists, what are we looking for there? What, what, what needle do we hope to find in this haystack? You mean if I were a conspiracy theorist? Yes. Uh, well, I think the biggest thing for a conspiracy theorist would be that uh, either of the agencies, the FBI or the CIA, had some prior information about the uh, likely assassination attempt, right. but didn't intercede. Right. Okay. Uh, what about Trump's decision um, uh, to hold up or not hold up? Why would we, he want to get involved in this? Is there any political capital in this for him? I don't think there's any uh, personal issue of political capital. Somebody, I suppose, could make an argument to him that, for example, because one of these uh, people working in the field at the time uh, now holds uh, 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 or did hold uh, a position of authority eventually in the CIA, um, we shouldn't reveal that part about their career history. But that, and, and that wouldn't be a personal matter. It would be more of an institutional issue. 
What about uh, would he perhaps support this even more if there was sort you know I mean spying dirty work this goes on by by all countries if there is evidence of this in in some way or it's incriminating in some way to these organizations as you just mentioned uh, in these documents wouldn't this support uh, Trump's whole mantra which is you know confusion and fake news and look what this government's doing see what I mean look at the swamp. Um, could he be could he be eyeing it that way? It, it's just another way to to show. Look, here's what's bad with established politics with the establishment. Well, I think that there's a potential advantage in that, but um, you know, based upon what we know about the volume of materials and also what we know about his attention to detail. Uh, it's unlikely that he knows exactly what's in the material. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of pages there. So right. how is this going to play out, do you think, Michael? Uh, will they all be released after it's all over? It's, you know, another an, another screenplay for somebody else or another uh, book deal or what have you. And other than that, it, it's, you know, another day. Well, I think the, the most important point is that the uh, quantity of m- material information is uh, relatively large, as I understand it from uh, news reports, more than 3,000 pages. So um, this is going to be a, a running story in the short term for several days because it's going to take people uh, some time to absorb the information. And, of course, there'll be one set of uh, reports that will come from uh major news organizations, and then there'll be other kinds of reports that will appear on social media that, you know, will be often more aligned with the conspiracy theorists. Has he let anybody know at this time which way he's leaning the president on releasing all of this? Well, he's made an announcement that he would. He is going to. Yeah. So, uh, again, this is going to take a long time to digest. Yes, and, and and that would be sort of first pass, right? Yeah. Uh, the reports of what's in there. And then there'll be a second pass, which is the attempts uh, by by uh, more or less knowledgeable people to integrate the new information with what we think we know already and to see whether it's confirmatory or there are some variations on what we think are the main themes of the story of the assassination. So should this all be released? Should all this information be uh, open to the public? I, I, I think that it should. I mean, it's the, the, the information, I believe, are in the National Archives, and it's, uh, there are a standard set of policies at the archives for release of information, and the time has come. Um, the, the amount of time that has... Uh, past 54 years um, is sufficient that it probably doesn't put uh, uh, many, if any, uh, individuals at risk in career terms or in terms of personal safety. And that's why these things would be put in place, correct? Yes. Uh, (laughs) 
All right, let's move on because uh, we could talk about this and go around in circles forever because of, there's so many conspiracy theories here. Let's talk about uh, Biden and and his thought. Of course, the vice president under Barack Obama, Joe Biden, has certainly not ruled out running. Um, your thoughts on this? Is this Obama light? Is this trying to relive the Obama era? And does his age play a factor in all this? Well, I think the first point to make is that Joe Biden is on a book tour. And uh, this all helps. <laughs> yeah, right. So any publicity is good for the uh, sales of his book. Uh, but the but the topic of the book is about his decision uh, not to run in 2016 because he hadn't quite gotten over the grief of uh, losing his son. So um, he's doing he's out and around doing interviews in promotion of the book. And, of course, a regular part of that would be uh, journalists asking him uh, about 2016 and what he thinks about 2020. And his comment is, I believe, that he hasn't decided uh, to run yet, but, he's also, but he has decided not to decide not to run. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know if that's a double or a triple negative, but... <laughs> Uh, he, I think, I, I heard a long interview with him on NPR, mm-hmm. and uh, he's disturbed about the state of the country and what happened in the 2016 election. I don't think he uh, is concerned that he might have had a different he might have produced a different outcome if he had run because he's admitted that he wasn't in any shape to run. Right. But what concerns him now is uh, wh- whether things are bad enough or are getting bad enough that out of a sense of uh, some civic duty that he feels he should jump in in 2020 to try to unseat Donald Trump. But that being said, Michael, is there no one else here? I mean, uh, do the Democrats or should the Democrats be going in a new direction? Forget the Hillary, forget the Barack, forget the Biden. Where's the next new leader? Uh, why does he not help groom that person? Well, I think that that's one reason why he's sitting back. Um, that and, and that this is also a general problem for the Democratic Party. Where is the next generation of leaders? And... Uh, my guess is that if he saw a person of the next generation, somebody in their 50s or, or maybe in their early 60s, um, who would be uh, a worthy nominee of the party, he wouldn't, he wouldn't get in. But um, if there's the prospect of nomination of a mediocre candidate uh, that he thinks uh, would ha- would be less well qualified than he is. Then I think he, you know, is reserving the option to jump in. Is age a factor here? And I don't mean to 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 play that it should be. It's just I think it's time for a changing of the guard, no matter what the age of these people are. But is age a factor here? Well, I think that you know we have to talk about age in in two different regards. Uh, his age is not really that different than Donald Trump's. So if uh, if Donald Trump is qualified by age to serve, Joe Biden would be. Mm-hmm. That's a different issue than uh, whether we need a fresh perspective that we would 
hope would come from somebody who was uh, younger and more in tune with uh, the age distribution and the population as a whole. Um, but as I indicated earlier, we don't see a, a cohort of uh, well-qualified and experienced uh, potential candidates among the Democrats yet. Does that mean as much to Americans? I remember when Trudeau was running up here, that was one of the big things, new fresh face, you know, hip guy, all that other stuff. That doesn't seem to matter as much in America. They seem to value experience more. Have you noticed that, or is that just my naive comment? Well, I think that in general, uh, there is a, a, a value or a premium placed upon uh, experience. But you have to set that against the current feeling in the American uh, public that the government has been failing them. It, it has different manifestations. One of them is uh, specifically with regard to the Congress. Why doesn't the Congress do anything? What, you know, why aren't we getting anything out of the government mm. to help us in our daily lives? Um, and, and, and one would imagine that this would be an important theme of uh, both parties in the 2020 election, the, the incumbent would have to make clear what it was that he had done that merited re-election, but, uh, but the Democrats would be arguing what wasn't done and how they could uh, produce something that hasn't been produced already. So uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a trade-off, a relative weighting, that the electorate would have to make uh, between the value of experience uh, set against the prospect of, of uh, getting things done to help the American public. I can't let you go, Michael, without uh, asking you your thoughts on the president's comments regarding the opioid crisis, which is pretty much being felt all the way across North America. Uh, he characterized it as an epidemic. Uh, 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 that may have surprised a lot of people that this would be even an issue for Trump. How's that playing down there? Well, in the you know he's giving a speech this afternoon, which we haven't heard yet. So this is a lot of you know anticipatory reporting. But there's some concern that he isn't going all the way. He he is going to. Uh, He's going to call this a public health uh, emergency, but he's not going to call it a national emergency. Uh, this is related, I think, to um, how much effort and money the federal government would put into, you know, combating the crisis. So um, w we'll have to see what the exact details of the speech and the particular languages that he uses, but there are some people con are concerned that he hasn't gone, he's not prepared to go far enough. Michael Trogott has been with us, Professor Emeritus of Communication Studies and Poli uh, Political Science, University of Michigan. Michael, always a pleasure. Thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Great to talk, Scott. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. The headline in the Toronto Star, Hydro Rates to Remain Stable Through 2020. Uh, so says the current energy plan. 
uh, a new report out saying that uh, that uh, I guess this is the first energy blueprint since 2013. The Liberal government said prices will actually be lower than forecast four years ago. And that's, of course, thanks to the 25% reba- uh, rebate, which, of course, punts uh, the extended loan for this plan uh, another 10 years uh, to the 30-year mark uh, before we actually pay for it. Uh, to talk more about all of this and, of course, to uh, tell us uh, what may not be here, uh, Todd Smith, Ontario PC Energy Critic, he is with us now. Todd, thanks for taking the, uh, the time to join us. We appreciate this. No problem, Scott. So our rates are going down. Uh, what's the problem here, Todd? Come on. We all, we all wanted lower well, rates. We've been down this road before, I think. Uh, the problem with the, what the Liberals have done here is they actually haven't taken any costs out of the system. All they're doing is borrowing billions of dollars in their a long-term energy plan or their unfair hydro plan and uh, and accruing billions of dollars in new debt and new costs that they're burying over at OPG. So I was quite disappointed when I saw this report come out today because I thought the government might actually roll up its sleeves, get out the pencils and erasers and try and work out some better deals with the generators in Ontario. And we know it's those contracts that have caused the uh, price of electricity to explode in Ontario and the government hasn't done anything about those contracts and its long-term energy plan. Uh, hydro rates remain uh, to remain stable through 2020. What happens then? Yeah, they spike to record highs. I mean, this is the same thing we've talked about before after uh, the leaked cabinet document came out that uh, we presented back in May, uh, showing that the, the price of electricity was going to spike after the next election to record highs and then continue on an upward trend after that because the government isn't taking any costs out of the system. The Auditor General's report and the Financial Accountability Officer's reports indicated the same thing, and now the government's own long-term energy plan indicates exactly what we've been saying for months now. This plan that they've uh, trotted out here, this scheme to try and take electricity off the table as an election issue, doesn't actually reduce the cost of electricity. All it does is accumulate new debt and uh, new interest over at Ontario Power Generation. Uh, if we, uh, many, and, and I get a lot of this via email and such, many can't understand why if we have an abundance of power, we have not changed direction at this point, uh, and why we haven't slowed down the process here. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they have uh, walked away from one of their programs uh, that was going to put even more electricity uh, on the grid that we that we don't need. However, even the day after they announced their unfair hydro plan, they took in a whole bunch of new applications, over a thousand applications, for more new energy projects that we don't need. So while they've walked away from some of their plans, um, they 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 still continue to put up expensive, unreliable. Um, electricity generators in Ontario that continue to make the problem worse. And and instead of going in and actually um, changing some of the mistakes that the government has made, particularly with the Green Energy Act over the last 10 years, they're just kicking that can down the road and, and accumulating billions of dollars in new debt. And they haven't even done that well. As the, uh, as the Auditor General showed us last week, this is a decision to, um, to, to uh, finance this uh, this scheme over at OPG that's going to end up costing us $4 billion more on electricity bills than it could have 
if they had have used proper public sector accounting standards. Many are saying that you guys are doing a lot of complaining and not offering any solutions other than stopping what's going on now. Uh, what about the future? Um, does this mean more nuclear? I mean, the NDP have said they're going to buy the shares back of Hydro One and whatever. Uh, many are saying you guys are just raising a lot of steam and saying you're going to stop what she's doing but don't really know what you're going to do with this. Yeah, I, I would agree. We have been doing a lot of uh, a lot of complaining, but but the government has been giving us uh, a lot to complain about. And I know it's not just us uh, complaining; it's people who get electricity bills every month that are complaining about uh, the ever increasing cost of, of electricity in Ontario. Uh, and, and we have put some things in the window for the government to consider, including renegotiating uh, these contracts to try and get a better well, deal for Ontario. But what about a, a direction here, Todd? Like, obviously, she's talking about wind turbines. You're talking about getting new deals. What's the future? Is it wind turbine? Is it solar? What is it nuclear? What, what's the conservative plan here? Yeah, well, the, the Conservatives are committed to uh, continuing with the refurbs at Darlington and, uh, you know, Pickering staying online until 2024 and continuing with the refurbs at, uh, at Bruce as well. I mean, uh, nuclear is our most reliable and, uh, uh, I guess, ex- least expensive uh, form of electricity, and, and it creates a lot of jobs in the province of Ontario, and it creates a lot of our energy now. So we're going to continue down those roads, but what we're not going to do is continue to subsidize um, electricity projects uh, like uh, uh, wind and solar ha- have been subsidized. And, and in the case where those contracts are already out there, renegotiate those contracts to get a better deal for Ontario electricity customers. There's a lot of other things, Scott, that are going to be coming uh, in due time. We were waiting to see what the uh, government's long-term energy plan was. Um, and, and we have a plan that's going to be coming out in the near future. And, and uh, it will actually address costs that are currently in the system, and it will actually reduce the cost of electricity, which is something that the government hasn't done. They haven't actually done the heavy lifting to do what's necessary to take costs out of the system. You talked about wind and solar. Uh, Is this our future? Uh, If you guys are in, is that the end of wind turbines? Where is this going? Uh, No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, What I would say is there needs to be a competitive process in place, and the process that the government introduced with these large subsidies attached to them was anything uh, but competitive. It was, you know, get it, get in the lineup uh, at Queen's Park, get a contract, and then start making millions and millions of dollars on the backs of electricity customers in Ontario. So if wind, if solar, if natural gas, if, uh, you know, any of those generators out there are able to compete in a market-driven way, uh, then that's, that's, that would be where we need to go, um, not picking winners and losers as the government did by, um, you know, giving these sole-sourced backroom deals to Samsung and, and other companies that, that donated $1.3 million to the Liberal Party of Ontario. So we know that that's how the system worked under the Liberals. There was a lot of, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours contracts that were given out. And those contracts have been bad for electricity customers in Ontario. So uh, that being said, Todd, new technology costs money. How do you balance this? Would, you know, like, um, uh, would we see wind farms continue? Would we see solar continue? Yeah, I think the price of uh, wind, uh, certainly, you, you look at what... Uh, the price per kilowatt hour is in Ontario uh, in some of these deals and what new contracts are being signed for in places like Alberta, you're talking about a vastly different uh, amount. Uh, you know, they, they actually can be competitive 
Um, but but um, they're not competitive with these 20-year contracts that have been signed in Ontario. Same thing with solar. We've seen the price of solar come down significantly from 80 cents a kilowatt hour. And you'll remember when those contracts were signed as part of the feed-in tariff program. I mean, the, the price of uh, solar power now is a fraction of, of those contracts that Ontario signed, yet um, we're still paying 80 cents a kilowatt hour for so many of those 27,000 generation contracts that are out there in Ontario right now, and there's no way out of it, according to the Liberal government, or at least they're not willing to go out there and try and negotiate new deals to the benefit of Ontario ratepayers. When will we see Patrick Brown's plan? You know, election next year, next June? When are we going to start seeing some stuff? So Patrick uh, has put out, uh, or the party has put out... uh, our policy advisory committee resolutions. We've got a, a convention uh, conference coming up in Toronto in late November, uh, November 25th. So our party members are currently voting on uh, all of the resolutions that we've put out there. I think 137 or so, or 139, and many of them uh, dealing with uh, electricity and energy and the environment and, and all of the different areas of government. Uh, once the membership gets an opportunity to vote on those resolutions, I think you'll start to see our uh, our policies rolling out. So we have some general themes of where we would go in the energy sector, uh, but but one of the things that uh, we make very clear, and we've been making this very clear for the last uh, couple of years, is that we would actually go in there and try and renegotiate these contracts and look for a better deal for electricity customers in Ontario. Do you ever have anybody, Todd, that says hydro is the is uh, the Liberals four oh seven? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a catastrophe. I'm old. I mean, I'm old a, enough to remember all of that, and you know, it's just I'm thinking, yeah. wow, when does it ever end? It's it's been uh, it's been a disaster. There, um, you know, the way it's been handled uh, has been a, a complete disaster. Um, you know, there there are a number of uh, different scandals now that are currently plaguing this government. But in in my opinion, the Green Energy Act and what took place there is the biggest con job that Ontario's ever seen. And uh, unfortunately, it was uh, the government that was was uh, conned in this case, and, and, and that has an impact on every electricity customer in Ontario. Todd Smith has been with us, Ontario PC energy critic. Uh, according to the long-term energy plan, the government says hydro prices will be lower than forecast uh, four years ago, but then after that, hang on. Uh, Todd, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Anytime, Scott. Take Thank care. you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.